Hi there, and welcome to another edition of Drag Hags, where ladies of a certain age discuss RuPaul's Drag Race Season 10. Uh, and this week it was our reunion show, and I'm Jan. I'm Ren. And this week MC is off, so it'll just be the two of us. Aren't you lucky? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so it's time for a big old family reunion. Um, and it was a family reunion in all the senses, yes. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, baby, yeah. Um... Uh, this one, I mean, usually reunions have some drama sometimes, you know, they have like, but usually it seems to be more lighthearted or somehow like this just brought out all the fireworks and all the drama and all the tension and yeah, well, it's been a dramatic season to begin with. So I think that once the queen saw, you know, how it was edited and saw what was going on, like, you know, because they're going to be off in their own little worlds and so they have no idea what the other half of the room is doing, but once they saw I think all that put together, they there were a lot of things that came up that they didn't realize was going to come up, you know, just through the viewing process. No, I agree with you on that one, and yeah, and I think also it's just observation. Even it was there, it so there was some self reflection too, and people suddenly seeing how they might have been portrayed or how they were themselves, along with what people might have been saying behind their back or you know vibes that they were getting, and it was. It was tough. It was, in all honesty, it was very hard to watch this show. Um, you know, we're living, you know, as tense times as it is. And, you know, we want everybody to be one big happy family, which it ain't. And if you come from a family with crazy family dynamics, you know, dysfunctional family shit, it kind of dredges up a lot. Too. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. And I think also, um, I, to me, it's like it wasn't really RuPaul's Drag Race reunion as much as RuPaul's group therapy session. Um yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, Rue was definitely wearing his uh, therapist, you know, or group leader hat, um, which worked sometimes and maybe didn't otherwise. But we'll get into that. Um, yeah, but at least it started off cheerfully when we were talking about Miss Vanjie. Miss Vanjie. Vanjie. Yeah, yeah I, I, I made a note that it really did start out, like, on such a, like, lighthearted and kind of cheery feel to it, which is, I wish it had gone through a... You know, it was like the light before the darkness. It was like the opposite. You know, usually it's the darkest is before the dawn. This was like it was the lightest before the apocalypse. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was the brightness of, of the, the mushroom cloud, you know, when it first goes off. You know, yeah, before we had gets... that flash and, oh, wait, that's not the sun. It's a nuclear annihilation. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was heavy duty. Um, but yeah, the Vanjie stuff I thought was really funny. And, um, and you know, she's very engaging. Um, no shade on her, but her voice kind of like when I'm not looking at her, she's just, she's got a kind of a deep voice in the way she talks. And it's just kind of funny because she reminds me of just like, you know, the little Puerto Rican guys that I used to, you know, interact with in the city as compared to a drag queen. Now, if there's anything wrong with it, but. No, it's but it's like, funny. It's a, he's, got, he's got a very distinctive voice. Yeah. And I, and he's I think he's got a nice personality too. He's very funny. Like you know when he finally because we didn't really get to know her mm -hmm. during the season because she was there for one episode. And I love Alexis Mateo, so you can sort of see like the more of the snark and the kind of the the personality coming through a little bit more. And I I do hope we'll see more of Angie in the future. And there are rumors, so perhaps we'll see her in another like future season, and maybe we'll get to know her more. So you know. But it was good because, yeah, she became like the meme of the season. It was kind of great. So. Yeah, it was, it was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, you know, make them remember you. So from a, a branding, marketing, whatever, 
whether it was, you know, inadvertent or, or meant, it, it worked really well because now she's everywhere, including, you know, around on necklaces around Rue's neck. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And all over the internet. So, yeah, we started out really good there. Then we had a little bit of a lip sync retrospective of all the sort of really hardcore lip syncs that went on this year, um, starting with Dusty versus Monet, um, when Monet sent Dusty home uh, and her just kind of wacky and the, 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 the false dead drop and all that stuff. And that was fun. And then we had Monique versus the Vixen uh, when the Vixen sent Monique home. And uh, because Monique didn't know the words. And, and again, like it was very sad when it happened. And it was kind of sad to see it again, that she was just so focused on trying to get her damn costume done that she kind of didn't give herself time to learn the, the songs along with it. So. Yeah. And in respect, it didn't matter what, you know, if the costume was done or not, she was still would have been in the bottom too. So, you know, it was kind of a waste of uh, all nighter. Yeah. Yeah. Had she learned, because I honestly think had she learned the words, she would have stayed that week. So, because she was really good, and I thought she was going to clean the floor with the Vixen, and then, you know, you can't keep somebody there if they don't fucking lip sync. So. This is so. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we had that, and then we had the, the double save of Eureka versus Cameron, which I think is up there with some of the, the best kind of, you know, fierce lip sync extravaganzas um, over the season. So yes. For me. Especially as they were both, well, at least... You know, Cameron especially was in her old lady makeup, so it was pretty damn cool to see her, like, you know, doing splits and flipping around with, you know, wrinkly face and stuff. It was cool. Um, and then the uh, Cameron versus Cracker, which still makes me sad because we love Miss Cracker. Um, and for those who don't know, um, and I think MC may have said something. I know she said off off camera. I don't know if she said it or or off mic. I don't know. I don't remember now. But anyway, Miss um, Cracker is going to be having a new World of Wonder show. Um, it's coming this summer. I'm not sure exactly when. Um, but it's going to be called Jutorial instead of Tutorial. Um, and I saw an ad for it this week. So uh, we're going to get more from Miss Cracker. So she's made the big time. Yay, Miss Cracker. So, yeah. So we saw that lip sync, too. Yeah, and I like Cracker's comment that if she tried to play it sexy, it would have been even worse. But then yeah. it was, was because she can't do sexy because it always comes off really big and stupid looking. Right, and she's built like R2-D2. And I, I mean, you know, she's much thinner than I am, but I get being like a tiny, you know, short, tiny person with stumpy little legs. And when you're up against somebody like Cameron, who's just, you know, built like a dancer, you know, you're, you're, it's ridiculous. You have to kind of, you know, make fun of yourself and have fun with it, which she did. Yeah. So, and, um, yeah, so it was good to see her there. And, uh, just, this is a note cause I saw the ad a couple of times cause I think they also showed it during, um, the New York pride parade, which was on network television in the New York metropolitan area. Um, the Verizon coming out ad, um, which made, I don't know if you saw that, but it made me cry a lot. I think um, I think I just uh, fast forwarded past it because because it was an ad. <laughs> yeah, I mean I know I, I, Verizon is my wireless carrier, you know. So full disclosure here, but they normally drive me crazy. The only thing that usually makes me cry is their customer service. Um, but it's it's just a very whoever did it. It's um, for uh, P flag. Um, so parents of uh, LGBT people um, and. Verizon. It's a, it's a really nice... Whoever uh -huh. like put it together, whoever produced it, it's wonderful. It's great. It's just all about coming out and how you can use your mobile phone to call your parents and everything will work out okay. But not in a cheesy way. It's actually very moving. So anyway, I digress. Um, so then we came back and that's when the shit sort of hit the fan. Uh, because Rue put the Vixen in the spotlight. 
Um, and they started talking about just the dynamics and how she was doing. And um, then we saw a couple of clips. And first, you know, they were talking about how she interacted, and I'm using that word nicely, um, with Aquaria and Cracker and that whole kind of like ridiculous rivalry. Um, and Rue asked her about that because she basically did stir the shit. Um, you know, you see it on the camera. And Monet said it later too. It's just like she... She was up in their business and she didn't need to be, you know, between them. And it was stupid enough between them. And, you know, it was Cracker said later, they both agreed to like kind of bury it and leave it because they did not want that to be their story this season. So basically they were telling the producers to take that drama and shove it, which is good. Yeah. As much as people blame editing and blame the producers and blah, blah, blah. You still, even if you're a manufactured product you still have some control over what you say and how you say it and how you interact with people and you can avoid it so i give props to aquaria and to cracker for that um and the vixen just she was causing trouble she was a king mixer you know yeah she uh, was she was just you know she was doing it under the guise of everybody we just need to be honest about this stuff you know everybody just needs to be honest i'm not trying to stir up crap i'm just trying to make them you know be honest and, and make sure that people are honest with me it's just like no you're just stirring up crap yeah, and, and, and as an aside, I mean, there was a, a pretty heavy-duty interview with the Vixen after the show that I read, and she kind of sort of tried to make it more that, well, until she got on the show, she honestly thought that Cracker and Aquaria were the same person because they looked so much alike, and so she didn't know, and so she was feeding into the rivalry as much as she knew it, and I guess this is the point where we sort of give you a little bit of a disclaimer that, you know, both Ren and I are coming from, obviously we're, we're people of privilege, you know, we're white, we're of a certain age, um, you know, financially stable-ish, um, so obviously we're we're coming from a different place, and I know the internet has gotten, has blown up a lot about this, so, um, you know, y'all can <laughs> say what you want. We're just coming from where we're seeing and how we're seeing it, and, Right, you know, so this is coming through our, our, our lens, and it's not the same prescription you have. Right. And, you know, we're, we're more than happy to discuss things with people if they want to discuss it, you know, in a respectful way, because, you know... It, it's just an analysis of what was going on and who was saying what without the additional baggage that everybody kind of brings to a situation. So, um, yeah. So, and, and the Vixen said she had no regrets with the things she said between those two. And, um, Monet, you know, I, I sort of like was watching, having seen the episode a couple of times, I was like watching other people's reactions and what they were saying. And, the vixen said, you know, well, the girls were discussing or the girls were saying, and Monet got really pissed and said, don't say the girls. And she immediately shut vixen down. And I also know she did this on Twitter afterwards to come out and say, literally, I never said Miss Cracker, you know, fake your way into the competition. I would never say that. And also for people who don't know, Miss Cracker is Monet's drag niece because Monet is Bob the drag queen's drag sister and Cracker is Bob's drag daughter. So there's a familial element there. So it would be really shitty for her to have like stabbed her own niece in the back. And I know they, they didn't because they're very close and you kind of seen the interactions otherwise. So Monet was kind of objecting to all this stuff and it seemed like Vixen was trying to speak for everybody. And she was talking through her own lens, which obviously was not the same as other people's realities. So um, there was that, and then Rue even asked if she was purposely stirring the pot because she wanted to create tension, you know, as a form of strategy, and 
the Vixen was like, oh no, I wouldn't do that. It was not strategy. It was the truth. And yeah, although I think Vixen was telling the truth when she said that um, she sat for months thinking that, that she was an awful person. You know, when she had that big blow up with Eureka, and it wasn't until she saw the episode and and, and saw that Eureka was kind of like, okay, I'm gonna I'm going to nudge her, I'm gonna poke the bear, that she realized, oh wait a minute, and I think that just made just had her bring a lot more um, anger to the reunion than she had planned to, I think. Yeah, and and you know we'll get to that in a minute, but she then later on down the line she then contradicted herself about that. True. By, by saying that she thought that Eureka, you know, she knew Eureka was shady and that Eureka was only trying to control things from the beginning whenever she took her aside and tried to, like, how we were working it. So it's like either one or the other. Either you're carrying this guilt and feeling badly, which, you know, is more understandable. I could, that would be more acceptable, except that she then contradicted things later. Um, but and also the Vixen, you know, she's she's somebody who projects a lot. I mean, she said to Eureka in their fight, you're the bitch who doesn't know when to, you know, let somebody else talk. You think that your problems are the only problems. And it's like, uh, is there a mirror here? I mean, I'm not saying Eureka's innocent because she's not. I think Eureka has her own baggage and I'm not making excuses for her because she's, you know, the white girl, um, because she comes from her own place and she has her own issues. And I think it was just oil and water and it was going to be a bad situation no matter what. Agreed. yeah, um, but I'll give Eureka some points because when Rue shot her down, she at least copped to the her bad her own bad behavior, and she was trying to explain it, however awkwardly. And she did apologize and said, "I thought everything was okay, you know, and I know this was bad, and maybe I shouldn't have done it, or I, I approached you wrongly, but I'd like this to be over." And you know, the vixen was having none of it. Um, and I, I think, you know, in some ways, the, you know, the Vixen was talking about watching this, especially with her boyfriend, and, like, how shocked she was at her anger. And it's like, I, I guess I wish there had been a little bit more self-reflection in terms of the level of anger. And this has come from somebody, you know, again, I'm totally different background, totally different lifestyle. But I have anger problems sometimes, too. And I think if I were on a camera and I saw how I reacted to other people sometimes or blew up... I'd be fucking embarrassed and try to like figure out how to stop it or to put a lid on it too. So right, but although there's the function of age, then when you're as young as the vixen is, you're not necessarily going to, to want to improve that or change that. You're going to say okay, you're just going to double down, saying you know, okay, this is this is okay, this is what I am. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be angry, angry, angry because I can be angry because that's what I am. As opposed to saying, hey, maybe I don't have to be angry. And I think that was what Rue was trying to tell her. Yeah, and, and again, Rue comes from a place, you know, Rue is in the same age range as Ren and I, so he's had a lot of maturity, and he's also, he's talked about it in um, interviews, but it's obvious to me, just from my background, um, growing up around way too many therapists and uh, social workers and people who do this for a living, um, Rue has clearly had therapy, Rue has clearly worked through a lot of his stuff and found his own way, but so it's maturity and it's also sort of the, the therapeutic process of being able to let go of certain things or to learn how to recognize certain things within yourself and then try to, to work them through, whereas right. the Vixen doesn't. And, you know, part of it is that the Vixen may not have the support system, but the other problem is that the Vixen, and that's where things got really ugly, and that's why it's gotten ugly on the internet now is that the vixen you know asia wanted to help her i think rue wanted to help her even if rue was not saying or doing the right things to i mean what the vixen might need um 
But the problem is that afterwards, you know, the vixen literally came out that night or the next morning with graphics saying, I don't need any help. There's nothing wrong with me. And, you know, and, and with the intimation, if you can take your help and shove it, which I felt really badly for Asia because Asia could see, you know, Asia is somebody who's very parental. She's very, very caring um, for so many reasons and she's a very good person and she could see and we saw it even in the show that you know she could recognize why the vixen was as angry and as, as confrontational as she was and she was trying to find ways to channel it or to work it through right and it i think it really hurt her that's why she was crying and saying you know she wanted to, to help but ruth's right sometimes the people in order to get help and that's something i think you know again getting lofty and therapeutic here in order to get help, you have to ask for help. You have to acknowledge that you need help with something, whether it's an addiction, whether it's anger, whether it's you depression, know, it is. you know, anything like that. Anything, you know, you can, you're not going to get better unless you're willing to get better. And um, Vixen is at the place where she's uh, comfortable with who she is. And so no matter what anybody else thinks, that's how she's going to be. Right. And, you know, she, again, she's relatively young as compared to us and she's 26 27 26 i think yeah 26 yeah so she's still fairly young you know there's a whole thing about the age at which people's brains you know finish processing so it's only about that time period anyway i i hope she works it out i mean i think she's got talent i think she's a smart you know person she's a good performer um and obviously she's doing well. I know that um, a number of the African-American queens, um, including Shea Coulee and Asia and Monet, um, and I think Monique, as well as some local queens, are going to be doing a Black Girl Magic show, which is what the Vixen runs in Chicago. And as of last night, I think Shea said that they were almost sold out. So obviously she's got a career and that's good. And I, I, I it hurts when I see people that angry or that hurting, regardless of who they are. Maybe I can't help because it's out of my purview. It's out of my sphere of life experiences whatever but it still makes me sad when people are hurt like that so and and it got real ugly and um it was ugly you know, it was ugly but then and then you know vixen just made it worse by flouncing yeah and and the other thing is that you know she there were a couple of times where she said other things um like when she was saying that eureka said she was going to attack her and eureka said no i said test and both monique and monet jumped in and said that's what eureka said they were backing her up and, you know, there's been a lot of stuff, a lot of racial components to what's going on. And there's a lot of, I mean, drag race, especially this year and because of everything else going on in the world is, you know, certain things are coming to light that perhaps people didn't want to see. And that's good. I mean, sometimes you need to like have that kind of, you know, catharsis, good, better and different for things to get better. Um, but the fact that the African-American queens were not backing her and jumping on Eureka immediately kind of says like, look, there's more to this than just... You know, people are picking on Vixen because she's an African-American queen. Right. Um, and also, Rue talked about, um, was trying to say, and, you know, it, Vixen actually missed the reference. Um, but I think that's, again, age, where uh, Rue said about Eat the Cake anime. And that's from uh, the movie What's Love Got to Do With It. And it's about Ike and Tina Turner. Because yeah. Tina, Tina's original name was anime, anime Bullock. And there's a scene in the film where Tina is, like, really happy because she's just, like, cut her first single. And two little uh, white kids come up to her and ask... They're in a restaurant and two white kids come up and ask for her autograph because they know who Tina is and they've heard her on the radio. And Ike is clearly getting jealous because Ike was a controlling, abusive son of a bitch. 
And um, he gets angry because suddenly everybody's noticing Tina, who's his kind of protege, and not him. And it really was originally the Ike Turner review. Right. And he gets the diner, the people in the diner, to bring him a cake so they can celebrate. And he's like, have a piece of cake, anime. And, and Tina says, no, I don't want cake. Um, and he's just kind of bitching. And he's, he takes a piece of cake and he literally shoves it in her face. And it gets ugly. And then Tina picks up a glass of you know, ice water and throws it in his face and storms off. And then this other woman who's with them, Ike actually backhands her because she like tries to stop him from going after Tina. And I think what Rue was trying to say there is that you can, when you're in a place of confrontation, you can get up and walk away. You don't have to feed into the, the abuse, the anger, whatever's going on. You can choose to, to walk away. And it doesn't mean that there's, that you're, a wimp, it doesn't mean that you're being passive. It's actually showing you're strong because it's like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this shit. Yeah. And you're not rising to somebody else's bait. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to use the word civility here because it's not necessarily the case, but you can just say, you know what? Fuck you and walk off. And the vixen was not doing that. So, yeah. And then when people were sort of giving her some tea, she flounced because she wasn't hearing it. And that's unfortunately part of the problem. It's like, you know, if you're denying and denying and denying that there's any problem that you you couldn't possibly be wrong ever and that you're not, you know, that you're always the victim and there's nothing that you can do in a given situation, then you can't get better. You can't make it better. Right. And, you know, and, and it's frustrating. And again, like some of this I can relate to and obviously some of it I can't. So, you know, it just was bad. And then unfortunately that set off a whole thing between Rue and um, Asia, who was trying to help. And again, God bless Asia because she's got, uh, you know, heart is because the world and she wants to fix everything you can see she's just that kind of a person who wants to make things better and and she really took, she really took um vixen's flouncing to heart and and, and interpreted as you know that vixen was really hurting and was really upset and needs it needs to be helped and uh rue wasn't having any of that yeah well i think rue again i mean part of his rue is a little bit of a an objective observer because Rue was not in on that. I mean, obviously he saw things on TV after when things were edited, but he's not around in the day to day, night to night, you know, when Basis, everybody is yeah. like basically sequestered in these hotel rooms and in the work rooms and blah, blah, blah for like weeks on end and or doing tours because some of the people knew each other for shows before. So Rue's kind of separate. So he can kind of look, I don't want to say look down, um, but look at the situation with a slightly more objective eye. And again, he's been through therapy. He's, worked out a lot of baggage and Asia's got, you know, Asia's 30 something. So she's got more maturity, but she's not necessarily been where Rue has been, etc. And I think one of the reasons Rue got so damn angry is that, you know, Rue came from pretty much nothing. Rue built himself up and his whole career. And, you know, as he said, you know, when he was using the analogy of, you know, well, I invited you into my house. He says, this is a house that Rue built by, by his own hands. Nobody gave it to him. Nobody opened doors and gave him the opportunity you know, obviously he got into shows, but he did this on his own merit. And um, I think he tries to kind of be, I'm, and this ties in with, um, I've been watching the show Pose, which if you have, if people haven't seen it, they should, it's on the FX channel. Um, excuse me. And it's all about um, mostly trans, trans women of color in New York City in the 1980s. And um, it's actually fabulously written. Um, it's got the largest trans cast 
I think on any t uh, any show ever. Um, the acting is great. The the visuals are great. The soundtrack is phenomenal, especially if you like '80s music of all sorts. Um, and one of the things that they sort of showed is the thing that Rue was talking about too, in terms of the dynamics within the the LGBT community and communities of color and how really like queens of color and especially drag queens of color really really were kind of their own little microcosm because they didn't necessarily fit in and um and the trans queens you know really had it hard so and that's where the ball ca culture came from and i think rue rue came up through that too so he knows and you know the, the a lot of the stuff that's been discussed lately about drag race and race and audience i mean there's again there's a lot of work everybody has to do i think things are coming to light that's good but when you look at the demographics of the audience and i mean and again the queens were even talking about how their families and it's hard to be black and gay and obviously i am neither black nor a gay man <laughs> so um but i think the audience predominantly is white you know whether they're straight you know what, what their orientation is or you know what their identifications i don't know but not that's part of the dynamics of what's going on with the fandom too i mean but the fandom fandoms in general are kind of shitty these days um the internet has really led to that so. indeed it has yeah yeah so i'm rambling but i i felt badly for rue and for asia because i think they, were, they both wanted to help and they were both coming from a place of love. Right, but, but it was a different... But Ru was also very much... You know, yes, it was. it's his house. And he's giving these queens this opportunity to come into his house and to get this exposure and uh, to you know, get some success from things. And so when any queen doesn't take it to heart, you know, like you like the vixen, like uh, Tyra Sanchez, you know, it you know, kind of hurts him. I think on a, on, a, on a level that's deeper than he will want to admit. Right. And also, I just remembered the point that I started to make and then it like completely went out of my tiny little head here. Uh, the other thing about Pose is that they're showing just like the houses, the, the drag queen trans houses and the house mothers where, you know, it's like the house, you know, in the show, it's the house of abundance and the house of Evangelista. And now there's been a mention of the house of um, uh, Eleganza. And the fact that the house mothers, basically the, the women, the trans women who started these houses, you know, when I, you know, coming into it, when I heard mother, I thought, well, kind of like a den leader, you know, well, yeah, it's like a Regina George in, the, in Mean Girls, but not that nasty, but just somebody who's kind of like in charge, but not really in charge. The show is showing me that no, when they say mother, they literally mean mother, that it is literally a family that comes together and you've got a matriarch, even if she's only like a 30, 35 year old woman, but she's taking in kids who are kind of new to the whole ball scene, to the gay scene and taking them in and, and literally creating a family. And I think Rue sees himself when, you know, when we're saying Mama Rue, he's really taking it to heart and he's taking that position very, very seriously. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even with limited exposure to his girls, um, it's still, I think that's was part of his reaction too, that it's like he, down deep, he loves everyone and he wants to help everybody because that's what the mother of a house does. And, you know, when your child doesn't listen to you and your child is doing things that you can see, you know, you, that the mistakes that you've made and you see somebody else making them, I think it's very hard. So I think that's part of it, too. So I agree. Yeah. I digressed and went off. But yeah, I, 
the show has kind of clarified some things. It's interesting. Again, if you haven't watched it, um, I would highly recommend it. And it was by Ryan Murphy, who's done a lot of stuff like Glee and uh, American Horror Story, things I don't watch. Um, and also uh, Janet Mock and Our Lady J, who are two uh, trans women of color, uh, fairly notable um, authors, uh, whatever. And it, it's just, it's a really good slice of life. Um, and there's also a lot of good, digs at Donald Trump because it's set in New York City in the 80s and two of the asshole white male characters, straight male characters are working for the Trump organization. So, Alrighty then. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's it's a really good show. And it's also in showing ball culture, it's interesting to see and I, I would love somebody who knows more of this than I do um, to see whether to talk about or tell us whether the show is and the balls shown there were taking their influence from drag race because there's a lot of the same phrases and a lot of the same stuff that's going on like category is and tens across the board and that kind of stuff or is it kind of where did rue get it from paris is burning and the original ball culture i'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure around. i'm pretty sure it's from paris is burning because um yeah my offsprings i haven't seen it and i'm and i regret that i haven't yet but my offspring saw it and and said that you know there was a lot of phraseologies and a lot of stuff that that you know he, that they recognized from um drag race in it so obviously you know i think that it's a big influence that's why the library is always open yeah and, and it, it kind of uh, it may also just like it i guess circle around where it's you know because originally, I think the series itself is they wanted to do a fictionalized version of Paris is Burning. And then they found out that somebody else had actually written something based on that. And they brought him in as both the you know writer and also a producer. So they, they merged these two product projects. They merged these two projects. Words. Um, but it's, it's really interesting. And also, I just find the characters really engaging. And it's, you know, I being around in New York in the 80s, this was not my sphere of influence um mostly i hung out with you know cis white gay boys who collected dolls um, so, <laughs> <laughs> totally different head man like totally different head um except for the age crisis which i have to say which is everyone yeah yeah um so there have been a couple times where i've been you know for lack of a better word triggered emotionally because there's you know heavy stuff going on there too they're not shying away from any of it but it's a really good show so i i will stop rant, you know raving about it but Highly recommend and give it a watch. So let's get back to the show. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll note that we talked a lot about about Pose because we're not necessarily wanting to talk about the rest of the reunion at this point because it was just it just kind of kept going downhill in many ways. So in 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 uh, many painful ways for a lot of the um, queens and it just it was really it it was really heartbreaking in 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 ways that it was hard to explain. Yeah, and. Yeah, um, I'm just looking over right now. It's just more stuff about, you know, what we were just talking about, so we don't have to yeah. talk about that Yeah, anymore. so let's talk about Dusty and, and, and the conversion therapy explanation. Oh, God. Uh. I mean, it, when we saw it in the episode back when it happened, I, like, wept. And to hear it again, especially with what's going with the, on again in this yeah. world. Plus, going into more details about exactly what conversion therapy consists of. Because, you know, we've heard the word. We know, we know it's, you know, it's you know, trying to convince them by gaslighting them that, 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 that they're actually straight. But it's like to hear it actually described how, it go, how you have to go through it and things like that. It's just like, oh, this is so sick. Yeah, I, I read like a couple of essays about it, so I, I had a little bit more idea of what they, they put these 
poor mostly boys through um but it's absolutely horrific it is torture and the fact that we have a vice president and other people in our administration who think that this is perfectly acceptable to do um it's just it's it, it makes me ill and you know dusty i follow dusty on social media and dusty is like such a happy happy queen now and his fiance is adorable and they're adorable together and they're in love and you know dusty's like a, again a new york queen and punk rocker and i, I dig her um and i'm glad everything worked out for her um in the end because god knows she deserves it uh, literally god knows um but nobody should have to go through this you know and it was what monique was saying too because monique kind of talked about what and she had talked about it on the show too that she didn't go through conversion therapy but she had a lot of religious guilt because of the same thing with the families and you know you can't pray the gay away you know people are who they are this if you are religious if you believe in god then you have to believe that god created people as they are supposed to be and everybody's perfect in their own way if god didn't want gay people to exist god would not have created gay people and it has nothing to do with temptation or any of that bullshit people are people um and so yeah so we're ranting again so but that was that was harrowing and monique's story was harrowing and by that point i was crying again <laughs> because yeah i mean my heart breaks for, for every every queen and every, every you know person you know who, you know the lgbt QA plus community who, who doesn't have the support of their family. Yeah, because it's just I, I can't see how anybody could turn their, their, their child away. I really don't. Yeah, yeah and, and again, like, as I said, I come from, you know, mostly the doll and toy collecting community. And I knew, you know, I have, I've had a lot of gay friends over the years. And it, I know I've heard other stories, at least in terms of people's family rejecting them and not talking to them. Or, you know, I had a former friend who was very close to his mom and then she remarried and had like more kids. And his stepfather was horrible because he hated his stepson because his stepson, you know, was a fairy. And his, his stepfather tried to get him into cars and into sports and into all these manly things. And he wanted to design clothing and, you know, be an artist and go see musicals and you know his mother was supportive but it was hard because the stepfather was abusive and then i guess the the stepbrothers all grew up you know straight and macho and so it was even harder for him because it was just like there was this passel of you know men doing men doing manly things and you know whatever the fuck that means so yeah it, it's awful and you know it again i don't understand if you love somebody then you love them yeah, and I don't want to, you know, pull the religious thing about, you know, love the sin or hate the sin. Because it's not a sin. Just love the person for who they are and try to understand. So, and yeah, I it just, I mean, that's why Blair's story, at least, was, family story was very, very, and, and also Eureka, because they have, you know, parents who support them and love them. And the same thing with, um, um, where, you know, their, their families do come to their shows and they, they do the thing. And um, that's what Monique was talking about in terms of not having that. And so that's why, you know, for a lot of people, you know, we create our own family. And that's why, whatever. So then we got to Monet's story, which was also not quite as harrowing. But just, you know, how his mother was dealing with him being a drag queen and, you know, what Caribbean culture is like. So that was kind of hard. Then we got to hear Yua's story. And so we heard about what Chinese, conservative Chinese families and how they don't deal with. With, with, with gays or, or drag queens or, or, you know, things like that. And I, I have to give props to Yua for how she dressed for the reunion. She she was, she was like, you know, she, she took, you know, not, you know, the, that you weren't, you know, 
you were too pretty in the ugly episode to heart. And it came out looking, oh my God, I didn't even realize it was her because it was just like, ooh, that's so creepy and gross and ugly. <laughs> yeah, she was like definitely an angry ghost. Um, oh, yeah. It was, and it was interesting what she was talking about drag because I'm pretty sure, and, you know, I'll have to double check. I should have checked this beforehand. Um, in the Peking Opera, I think for a long time that it was like, you know, ye old British theater and also kabuki and stuff like that, where women were not allowed to be on stage. So I'm pretty sure men played the female role. Well, they did. The, yeah, they yeah. did. But that's that, that's different, I guess, playing the role than, right. than, than living it. Right. But, it, but it's one of those things where you've already sort of kind of got this. So, you know, it, it's like we're going to ignore that this is going on, you know. It's yeah. Like, but it, it's it's... It, all of their stories were really heartbreaking. Um, and then just to go from, you know, the absolutely heartbreaking to the ridiculous, we then got Toot or Boot, uh, which was just, you know, a yay or nay on people's runway looks. And, you know, we got Cameron's feathery thing and Cracker's silver fox and Monet's sponge, sponge dress. But she had a sponge dress for Rue. I thought that was awesome. I, yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, Miss Vanjie, the sponge will never, ever leave Monet. Um and I, I love the fact that Monet has actually, like, she has stood by it. She has embraced the sponge. She is one with the sponge. Um, and she's groovy with it. Like, anybody who's seen her music video, there's... The sponge shows up there and, you know, Bob the Drag Queen is in the sponge outfit, too. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> and and I have seen on social media that some of her fans have come to see her shows dressed in... As sponge, sponge girls. And, hey, it's a thing. And it, that makes me happy. It's like, you know... You know, it... it Sometimes it's just good to embrace the, the, the ridiculous because it's the only way to go. Um, and then we had a bunch of just like cute bloopers with judges and Alex Trebek. And, and then we went right back into the drama. <laughs> yes. Then we got to the Cracker in Asia thing from, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever. It's all kind of blurring now um, where Asia said that Cracker wasn't a star. And actually Asia had said on social media, she did apologize and she had said publicly that she regretted saying it. So it was good to hear her say it again. But Cracker really, like, broke my heart again um, because, you know, it's like she explained exactly what she's been going through and what she's... And I think that was why this whole let's start this drama about, you know, Cracker doesn't really deserve to be on the show. She's just... She faked her way onto the show, which is... I mean, that's patent bullshit anyway because yeah. from having looked at the actual... Um, application to get on the show you know it's extremely extremely detailed and then you know they ask for videos and they ask for other stuff so you can't just like kind of waltz in there and be like oh yeah i, I can do this you know la di da di da you know it, you have to work really hard just to even get considered for an audition yeah so um it really sucked for cracker and i think she's kind of an underestimated queen so i'm happy she's got a show now and I, again i think she's a very sensitive sensitive queen too definitely yeah you know and, and the neurotic the neurotic new york jew in me can totally like relate to that part of it in that case you know we we are we are of one i don't have to worry about privilege except, there you go you know, yeah yeah well i guess you know your I'm tribe yeah woman. yeah I, i'm a cis woman and you know uh, crackers a drag queen but for the most part jews especially new york jews don't worry about like that kind of stuff we all have <laughs> Those kind of relatives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think I've talked about it or not here elsewhere. I mean, I grew up with my dad's cousin who was older than he and my dad just passed away at the age of 90, who was, you know, openly living with his partner for 40 odd years. And my arch conservative aunt, who, you know, she was like 
hardcore Republican, um, you know, listening to talk radio, blah, blah, blah. She embraced it with open arms. She had no problem with that. And I think, you know, so again, it's, it's kind of a cultural thing yeah. for some reason. We're, we're okay with that, you know, especially in New York because everybody wants, you know, an end to the theater. Yep. This is so. <laughs> yeah. As long as they can get you tickets or they can, you know, get you to meet a celebrity. Yeah, it's good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even don't ask, don't tell. It's just like, well, you know, can you introduce me to your nice friend? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we had that drama. And then Mayhem kind of unloaded about how she felt badly that nobody had, like, talked about her drag and how awesome her drag was. And she felt very left out. So there was kind of a hashing out of that. Um, and then we became pile on Cameron time. Um which I felt, again, I felt really bad for Cameron because, um, and I think, you know, I get Cameron. I mean, I, I, I follow Cameron on social media also. Um, and she seems very extroverted when she's alone in her room or alone in her apartment and there's a camera there, or, you know, the phone is there and she can just kind of interact without, I guess, seeing people on the other side. Uh-huh. So, you know, so... And then, you know, because she does goofy things, she dances around the room, she does a lot of, like, cute lip syncs, you know, she's not always, like, in full drag, sometimes she's just in makeup, or she'll do, like, a, a transformation, well, you know, sometimes she's in bed, stoned off her ass, um, <laughs> and I'm not giving away secrets there, I mean, she was just in Colorado and was, was very happy to announce that some of her fans had given her some of the, the, the weed legal, you know, edibles, and she had partaken and was so happy, or, you know, oh, uh, yeah. I'm so stoned, or oh, I'm so hungover, but... <laughs> She's adorable, but she'll, she'll be in bed and just be like talking into the camera and, le and making inter Instagram stories. So, um, but I, I kind of get where she's coming from and I, I felt badly for her because I'm somebody who's also, um, I, I, I want to say an extroverted introvert. Um, you know, people used to say it was shy, um, and I can be, but it depends on the situation and who the people are that I'm interacting with. And over the years, and again, you know, maturity and circumstance have forced me to be more outgoing on the outside but the inside I'm still like scared you know practically you know peeing in my pants in fear because of interacting with people um but I went through that too especially when I was younger let's say like in graduate school where I was you know kind of a punk rock chick and I would you know have like crazy hair crazy colors and wearing like really I don't want to say flamboyant, but, you know, like leather pants and like a really funky shirt. And it was outwardly, you know, my Mars and Leo was, you know, in full bloom there. But I was terrified to talk to people. So I'd go to parties or I'd go to like, you know, some kind of club and I would sit there and just observe and listen. And if somebody didn't talk to me and engage me, I would be quiet. And I found out later that people were like, you're not shy. And they thought I was snotty. They thought I was aloof. Um, they thought I thought I was better than everybody and that's why I wasn't interacting with them. And no, I was just afraid to talk to them. And I think that there's a little bit of that with Cameron. And I think we talked about that a little bit last week when uh, Chris was on the show. Yeah. It's like that there's a public persona and a private persona and Cameron hadn't quite figured out who the person in the middle was, like how to have like a, a public private persona and how to interact with people. And, and the way she was talking, it seems like she had imposter syndrome too. Like she was, you know, she got on the show without expecting to, she wasn't a professional queen at the time she was a hairdresser or two. And, um, so, you know, she was suddenly like in the, the big leagues. And I think that was part of it also. She was so busy trying to like keep her head above water that she didn't know how to interact with people. I don't know. Yeah. If you think I'm making excuses, I don't, it sounds like it, it, in general, I agree with that, except that 
the, the queens were complaining most about, I guess they, they had their, their press week where it was, you know, several, you know, when the show, you know, first started airing, you know, the season first started airing, they needed all this press and everything. And so at that point, Cameron still didn't like say anything to any of them. You know, they come in the room and so I could kind of like give them the, um, you know, it, um, Monique was describing it as the direct cut, basically, you know, sort of like you're know, looking at them and looking away and not saying anything. And it's just like, if you, you know, just meeting them, learning that, you know, learning how to get along with these people, for, you know, like in the workroom or whatever, okay, I can see that where you'd be quiet and, and, and that sort of thing. But if you know these people, even even in passing at this point, it's like you know it you know you should at least say hi or like smile, nod or, or like you know whatever, at least acknowledge them. And it sounds like Cameron wasn't even acknowledging them, and it, whether or not that's because she was afraid or yeah you know, and, and was you know, you know having social anxiety or or not, it's still I think you yeah. know they wanted her to make the effort and she didn't. Yeah, no, I agree with you, but the, I, having heard that, especially during the press week, I also wondered, and I know this is people like when you're doing a show or you know whatever sometimes people are so in their own head and trying to keep themselves focused especially if you're if they were talking to the press or being interviewed that they kind of put blinders on and it's not it's not necessarily a conscious thing but you're just sort of like walking around very narrow focus on what you have to say or what you have to do that you kind of forget that anybody else is there which sucks and it it's rude in a way but it's also i guess a coping mechanism you know, it's not an excuse, but I, I kind of get the feeling that Cameron was doing a little bit of that, too. Yeah. Um, whereas, like I said, you know, she comes alive on stage because that's something, you know, performers can do. Or when she's sitting alone in a room, like, you know, you and I are, you know, on VidCam right now talking to each other. And also, you know, we've known each other for 100 years. So. <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> we, we've been through everything together. Um, but, you know, it's also a little bit, you know, we're on the radio. We're whoever's listening to this i don't have to think about the fact for we're not going off on live for first off and second of all you know by the time it's out there you can interact or whatever and i think there's a lot of camera camera doesn't seem to do a lot of like instagram live stuff she tends to do like stories where she's just like you know hi guys i'm here and i'm talking and this is what's going on or oh i just woke up and look at me i gotta go shave you know uh-huh. whatever else she does so it's 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 a controlled situation where it's a public persona, but it's still a control of and when and how it's going out there. Um, and also probably if she doesn't like what she has to say, she can delete it and not put the video out at all. Um, but I, I will say again, following social media, um, she, uh, I know Cameron, because uh, there was one night where after the, right after the show ended, Cameron actually did one of her little things. And I don't know if she was stoned or whether she'd had too much to drink, but she was kind of mouthing off and saying she was hurt by the things that uh, Monique and Dusty had said and she didn't think she'd done that and it was kind of like there were problems and it it was it seemed like it was going to start to be a big thing because first she started with oh I'm okay with it I'm fine don't worry about me fans whatever and then oh wait no you know what I am upset and whatever but she then did a later video and I guess she said she called Dusty and she called Monique and they talked it out and now there's videos of them at shows and Cameron walks up and says, hi, hi, hi. And I, I think whatever's there, I think some ice was broken or. Okay. You know, yeah. Yeah. They, they, something got pushed through in a good way. And um, if anybody follows Bianca Del Rio, um, Bianca had a really funny video with Cameron um, because this past weekend was pride in New York. And there was a show with Cameron and Asia and uh, Aquaria. 
Um, and Eureka was actually in Los Angeles on that Friday night shooting a, a music video. So she was not at the show. And Bianca was there. And Bianca did a whole thing where Cameron was suddenly like Bianca's biggest fan and she wouldn't shut up and she was gushing over her. And oh, let's be best friends. And oh, I love you. And, blah, blah, blah. and Bianca just said, see, look what you did, internets. Now she won't shut the fuck up. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, I loved that video. That was really cute. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think in this case, it's, it, you know, they've worked it out and they're, Cameron's found a way of laughing at herself, but not in a cruel way and not anybody else. And I, I think she's making the effort, which is good because, you know, especially when you're on tour with people and you have to like see them and, and interact with them. It kind of sucks when there's, you know, when there's bad vibes between you and somebody because they've done you wrong. Yeah. And it's a real awkward situation. Not that any of us would know what that's like. Oh, no. No, no. no. So then uh, we went again a little bit more lighthearted. We went to just general reading challenge, which was boring. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was okay. There were a couple of good lines. I didn't really make notes. So Um, and then we got to the final part where Rue asked who they thought should win. And this was also a bit upward. Um, So Calorie and Yua and Cracker and Vanjie all said they wanted Eureka to win. Uh, Mayhem and Dusty both said they wanted Aquaria to win. Uh, and I'm, I'm also amused because I, Cracker has come out as Team Aquaria at other times on the internet. So I guess she's kind of, you know, she's all over the place. And Asia got Monique, Blair, and Monet. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, Cameron got a big goose egg. And, and the shot that they, you know, the, the, the reaction shot just, like, again, broke my heart because Cameron looked like she was going to sit there and cry. Yeah. And... And it sucks. You know, I was hoping somebody would be in her corner. Um, and, you know, I guess that tied in with the, the discussion earlier as to why she didn't. Um, but she's got a lot of, you know, I know she's got a lot of social media support. So, and, and it seems like things have worked out. And so, you know, it's anybody's guess as to what's going to happen on, at the finale. Yeah, well, the bookies have it that Aquarius going to win, so... Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of felt like there's a, been a push towards that. There's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of push towards that all season. Aquaria was actually like not appearing in this reunion, so she was there, and 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 she said a couple of things when they're discussing the, the the beef between her and Cracker, but she just sort of sat there and looked pretty the rest of the time, and that was um, interesting. I thought. Yeah, and I will say, in all honesty, I thought that was one of her best looks. It I was, yeah. Like, I think part of it is because it, there was a lot, I mean, granted she had a lot more time to put herself together and, you know, to get there and, and professional makeup and hair or whoever, you know, whoever helps her. But I just thought that just like the lipstick, the, the eyes, the hat, the, the freckles, the freckles. Yeah. It was just a really, really beautiful put together look. So, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. She looked really great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, um, for those who, you know, didn't see anything from New York Pride, because, uh, like I said, it was actually on television. So I was able to, like, avoid the crowds and sit in my living room and watch it on WABC Channel 7. Um, hosted, or co-hosted with Shangela. And two very, very awkward, very, very straight, well-meaning commentators. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if any of it's on YouTube, but they, they were trying really hard to, you know... I, I They were obviously comfortable and happy that they were doing it, but... It was it was just funny and awkward, and Shanji was just having a, a good time with herself. Um, so there were a couple of floats. There was the Mac makeup float, and it was Sasha and Miss Cracker and Peppermint, um, all representing Mac Cosmetics, and they all looked amazing. And I'm really excited because uh, Peppermint is coming to. I think previews are starting very soon, and Head Over Heels the musical, and Peppermint is one of the stars of that show on Broadway. 
And she is the first uh, trans performer, I think, in a major role in a Broadway play or Broadway uh, musical. So props to her. And Sasha just looked amazing. I love Sasha. And Cracker looked great, too. So they were having fun. And then there was the uh, the VH1 float uh, for Drag Race, which was basically at the end of the parade. Um, and uh, our four, top four were there. So... Um, and so we'll see where it goes. I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of rumors floating around because they did film the, uh, they filmed the finale on June 7th. So it's basically two, uh, three weeks before it aired. Um, and I have heard rumors of multiple endings filmed. So we'll see. I mean, it's interesting again on social media. I mean, you know, a lot of people think it's going to be Aquaria, um, whether she should or not. I don't know. Um, but a lot of Aquaria fans think that it's going to be handed over. They think that Eureka has been pushed and that it's all been, you know, some big rigging to give Eureka the win. Huh. So, Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's, there are already theories about, you know, well, Asia's not going to win because, and, um, I don't think, that's true. I mean, I would, I, I'm at this point, I like all four of the top four. I don't think Cameron's quite winning material. Um, uh, you know, and no. I love her to death. I think she's awesome, but I just think she's kind of like not quite there, but if any of the other three wins, I will be perfectly happy. I will not, it, it will not be, a, you know, an all-star situation as to, you know, to the final. There'll be no hashtag justice for. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there will be for other people, but not for me. I mean, yeah. I think everybody, everybody who's gotten to the top four, at least three out of the top four, seriously and and totally been fierce and amazing and different in different ways. Yeah. So they all have their strengths and they're all phenomenal queens. So I, you know, it, it's again, it's not, it's also not a situation where Roxy Andrew is in, the, Andrew <laughs> is in the top four. And I'm sorry if you're a Roxy fan and I'm sure Roxy is not listening to us, but um, she was out of her depth personally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not that I, I'll be happy if anybody wins. I mean, somebody's going to win and whatever it is, I'll be okay with it. Um, you know, cause I can see why anyone in the three, you know, and again, sorry, Cameron, cause I love you dearly, but, um, you know, everybody's like just really pulled the stops out. So I, I just wish there hadn't been such drama drama and kind of bad vibes this close to the end because you know and i think it'll all work out because obviously the vixen is still doing her shows other people are working with her it's not a tyra sanchez situation it's not yet i hope it never gets there because you know unfortunately tyra i think has got a lot of lot of issues and it's just it's gotten ugly and scary when you're getting banned from drag con because you're making you know death threats bomb threats yeah it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, as we said, like the fandom too, the, the fandom has to sit down and take a breath. And remember, it's only a TV show, you know, nobody's sending the other Queens off, you know, to live on an Island and never to be heard from again. They're all working. They're all doing shows. They're all doing drag con or most of them are doing drag con. Now um, they're coming to your town. They're going to be on TV or on Broadway or world of wonder shows. So, you know, it's, and look at, you know, if you look at people who didn't win or didn't even get top four, like Pandora Box or Latrice Royale. No, Latrice was top four, wasn't she? Uh, okay. I don't um, think she, I think she was top five, wasn't she? Yeah. I can't remember. I now, can't remember but, now. Yeah, but sometimes people who aren't even the winners, you know, wind up going above and beyond and becoming bigger. Yeah, Raven, um, than, Juju, and Jujube, for example, you know. Yeah, um, you know. It, Detox, Ben De La Creme yeah. well, before all-stars yeah um yeah and also even shangela because shangela you know she's awesome now when 
season two, season three, not so much. But she got a following, and she was always very likable. And, you know, and she... She She turns it. She turns it. Now she's fucking amazing, people. Um, So, yeah, I... So... Just because somebody doesn't win doesn't mean that it, it honestly, you know, other than a hundred thousand dollars and a crown and maybe, you know, and, and the title, there's so much exposure now just from being on the show and, you know, it opens up so many doors for people now that, that don't worry about them. Don't be mean. I mean, and, and it, it's saddened me that a number of the Queens have had to like say, if somebody send me home this year, this time, don't attack them because yeah. whatever happened happened. You know, don't give death threats to Cameron. You know, because Miss Cracker got sent home. You know, don't send death threats to the vixen because Monique got sent home or whatever it is. It's just it's awful and it's we you know we need there's to no be need for it. I mean, it's just it's just entertainment. It's all you know. It's entertainment and art. You shouldn't be killing people over art. Or threatening to kill people over art, or threatening to, to to beat people up, or, or 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 shoot people, or anything like that, just because it's 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 just someone's making something for someone to enjoy. Yeah, um, you know, and and Asia, you know, this is a little you know heavy duty thing, but Asia's gone through a whole thing um, in the last week or so, and people were wondering um, her they're going to be on the VH1, the top four are going to be on the VH1 Honors, which is airing before the finale on. Uh, this coming Thursday, um, and she showed up wearing something from, with her face covered and head to toe black with like sort of charred bones. And when she was on the uh, float for uh, Pride, she was wearing like this sort of gorgeous red flowy thing, and she had her face covered by a red veil again. And um, apparently, and she has talked about this on Twitter. Um, she was getting death threats and hate threats, and I'm not even sure why. Um, but somebody said they were coming and they were going to, they wanted to burn her alive. And she mentioned the fact that when, you know, she was like an 11 year old kid, she got threatened by people and, you know, she was threatened, somebody threatened to burn her. Um, and it was a racial incident and it set off something and she was just absolutely, she's working through it and she's now doing this like amazing art, which is not sort of the sunshine and and balloons and, and happy go lucky Asia that we know, but it's, it's a statement and she's, she's making a lot of statements right now too, but this is uncalled for. This is not, you know, I'm sorry. It's deplorable. You know, this, this is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. In general, people should not be treating each other, whether it's an actor, whether it's a musician, whether it's, you know, political figure, whether it's a drag queen, whether it's a guy down the street mowing the lawn with his, you know, for the lawn care service, you know, (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I mean, I have a neighbor who likes to start mowing his lawn at eight o'clock on a Sunday night every single week from like May onward. And it's a pain. You're trying to watch TV and you can hear him on the rider mower for hours. Well, I'm not making death threats. I just think he's annoying and whatever. So, yeah, you try to keep people treat people kindly because, you know, and yeah, we're getting a little ranty here, but it's because the world is, you know, in such a tenuous place already that. We've got to, you know, rational people, kind people need to stick together. Yeah. Um, and fight back against the, the the actual bad stuff that's going on, not worrying that somebody got sent home on a lip sync. Yeah. You know, there are you know, bigger issues going on in the world. Or, you know, because you don't like that somebody got cast on a TV show or didn't record or something, whatever. Just let it go. <laughs> yeah, you have to. So, you know, and again, fandom, you know, I don't want fandoms to be toxic. And it makes me very, very frustrated when we get to that level. But anyway, so next week, which is actually, you know, a few more days for us, we will have our big 
finale extravaganza, which was filmed live in front of a live studio audience, or a live theater audience, because I guess it was... Uh, it was a theater, yeah. Theater in Los Angeles, um, with a huge crowd, and I'm sure, you know, though I'm guessing based on past uh, finales, we'll have people popping up from the audience asking questions or making comments, and, you know, whether it's family members or celebrities or queens from another season, year, yeah. season or what have you it'll be hopefully it'll be a lot of fun and you know and then wow I, finally this long slog between you know all stars and then season 10 will be over <laughs> so yeah um, we can take a break <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there was much rejoicing yay, yay. um you know and i know they're filming season 11 right now um so, and I know I just, uh, they mentioned also on Pride, the drag race has been renewed for two more years. So we All right, then. Getting his, I'm guessing a season 11 and a season 12, not a season 11 and an All-Stars, unless it's, you know, two two physical years, in which case, you know, they might shove an All-Stars in there. Well, I think All-Stars but, is separated from, from the regular, as far as renewals. Yeah, that may be. Um, but yeah, there's at least two more seasons of drag race coming, and... Um, I've seen lists of people that are allegedly coming back to the show, but I, I honestly, I, there was no name that like stuck in my head as like, oh, I've heard of that person. Like, you know, I'd heard about Aquaria prior to this and then, oh yeah, Aquaria is going to be on season 10 or, you know, and then the thing with Blair and, and Blair's driving, you know, drink driving thing came out. So uh, people knew she was on that, but so I don't know, but we'll have a, a bit of a hiatus, um, although I think we're going to try to come back at least monthly and talk about stuff. Yep. Uh, and hopefully, um, well, Ren and I are going to DragCon in New York in September, so perhaps we'll do a DragCon episode. There we go. Yeah, we can review it from a con-goer's yes. point of view, from con-runner's point of view. There you go. Yes. Your review with a Jew and a, a not-a-Jew. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and hopefully, you know, I hope we'll maybe have some stories, you know, at least with interactions or photo ops or panels, because it was a lot to, to, to talk about last time. We couldn't get to, to Los Angeles. So, um, so that's September. And from what I, I think, um, VIP tickets are getting close to sold out for this one again. And I, I, they haven't made any announcement yet, but last year they had a fabulous, you know, nine from season nine and they had all sorts of other stuff going on. So, um, it should be fun. Uh, we got to make it to September. So, yeah. All <laughs> but, right. You know, Anyway, so I think we've rambled on enough. Do we need, um, to, do we need to do a, a, a unique, charisma unique list of talent for this reunion? Or should, I, should we just yeah. skip it because we're bad at everybody? Yeah, I, I think skip it because nobody, I mean, it was just, it was a lot of talk and talking heads. We didn't, nobody performed, nobody had to create anything. Nobody had to do anything other than talk and or create drama or play victim or you know, give us yet another group therapy session. I don't know. So All yeah, right. I, I think we're good. Okay. Um, I think next week we will, because, you know, from what Rue was saying, there's going to be a lip sync extravaganza of some sort. Yeah. Uh, and I, from the promo, I saw a spinning wheel. So it may, I have a feeling it's going to be something like the format of last year where it's going to be random pairings. I don't know. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll do that then, but I think we're, we're good for now. So, okay. Until next week, this is Jan. And Ren. And, and this is Drag Hags. Bye! Bye.